Good afternoon, Tuscaloosa. Voice sounds terrible. Ooh, not good. Good afternoon, Tuscaloosa. How are we doing? There we go. There we go. Find the range there. Welcome in. This is the Joe Gaither Show right here on Dallas Central, DallasCentral.com. I'm, of course, Joe Gaither. You're watching us on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter. You're listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on Amazon. And it is a happy, happy Monday in the Tuscaloosa, West Alabama, Northport area. And I hope you're having a happy Monday wherever you are celebrating this Monday, October 2nd. Turn of a new month as uh, the calendar maybe is going to get a little cooler. Or the weather's uh, maybe going to get a little cooler. But we are going to have a fun day on the Joe Gaither Show. It's going to have a, it's been a fun day already on BamaCentral.com. We were over at the Naylor Stone Media Room. Myself, Katie Wyndham, and Austin Hannon covering Nick Saban, Jalen Milrow, and uh, Dallas Turner as the, the three of them, the trio, met with the media to talk a bit about a bit about the Mississippi State game and a lot more about uh, Texas A&M this coming up weekend. It's going to be a fun day. We invite you to, of course, follow the show at JoeGator6 on all the social media machines, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, wherever you get your social medias. You can find me at JoeGator6. Send me your comments, questions, queries, and complaints. And, of course, you can subscribe to the other Bama Central Broadcasting Network podcast. We've got our friends, Blue Collar Unplugged, uh, with, Blake, with Blake Byler, Matthew Gibson, and Jacob Pickle, bringing you all things Alabama basketball related. But we're not quite here to basketball season. November 6th, Alabama takes on Kennesaw State, I believe, getting the getting the uh, Moorhead State, uh, one of the states, one of the small schools right there, November 6th. So, but we're going to talk about Alabama, Alabama football. We're going to talk Alabama football as the Crimson Tide won this weekend. It's a victory Monday. It's a victory Monday. Alabama wins 40-17. to What did you think about the ball game? I'm here to tell you what I thought about the ball game. You can read my work right there at BamaCentral.com. I put up 41 observations from the game this past weekend, 41 different snaps and 41 different takeaways from the ball game this weekend. Alabama defeats Mississippi State 40-17, to and I believe Alabama moves up to number four in the SEC Power Rankings, the Bama Central SEC Power Rankings. Were you satisfied with the game? We'll talk about the game here in just a little bit, but we'll start, of course, we'll start with... Kickoff time became somewhat of an issue for you guys, for me, for all of us watching the game. All of us who weren't at the game became somewhat of an issue around 8 o'clock. Ole Miss and LSU were still knee-deep in their contest. Oh, my gosh. LSU's defense giving up 55 points. Brian Kelly and them boys dropping a second game this season, their first SEC game, and really Ole Miss bouncing back quickly from the Alabama loss uh, two weeks ago. Uh, But, yeah, so 8 o'clock came, and Ole Miss and LSU were involved in the middle of their game, and you're not going to break away from their game if you're ESPN. Uh, Obviously, you've been invested in the game already. No, no. If you were looking for the Alabama-Mississippi State game at 8-10 when it was supposed to kick off, you didn't get it. You were looking at Ole Miss and uh, and LSU. Now, Ole Miss-LSU turned out to be a great game, a really fun game, a really nice game to watch, but that wasn't what we were all looking for at 8-10. We were looking for Alabama-Mississippi State. Now, a lot of people have complained about the Alabama game being so late, but somebody's got to play the late kickoff uh, to make room for all the SEC games. You had seven SEC games taking place this past weekend. Everybody in SEC action 
Uh, you had a handful of guys in, in the 11 o'clock window. You obviously had the 2.30 window. Uh, and then uh, you had, what, Alabama? You had Alabama and Mississippi State at 8. You had LSU and Ole Miss at 5. You had Tennessee and South Carolina, I think, at 6 on an alternate channel. And there's always so many channels to go around. But come on, ESPN. You got to schedule your games out a little bit better at 805, 810, whatever the case may be. On my telephone, I got the notification. If you are looking for Alabama and Mississippi State, it will be broadcast. It is beginning on ESPN News. And I'll just tell you, it's full transparency. I don't have ESPN News. I've got the basic cable package with a little bit of sports addition, uh, but I don't have ESPN News. And so I was like, oh, man, I am SOL. Had to pull up the game on Crimson Tide Sports Network to get it started and log into my ESPN Plus account to watch the ball game. And okay, not that big of a deal, but I know that uh, a lot of my friends, a lot of my family, a lot of the listeners, the subscribers, the viewers don't always have ESPN Plus. And so I want to start off by complaining just a little bit about the scheduling, the overlap. I don't really necessarily care about the late kickoff. Everybody can plan for that throughout the week. Uh, I took a hell of a nap throughout Saturday so that I could be up in an atom on Saturday night and watching the Crimson Tide. My biggest problem was... Look, if you have ESPN, if you just have the basic cable package, if you're not a subscriber to ESPN Plus, which I believe is uh, $10.99 a month or so, uh, if you're not subscribing to ESPN Plus, the first snaps that you saw from Alabama, Mississippi State, was right there the first place of the second quarter. And Alabama was already up 14 to nothing. So you missed the first two scores of the game. Absolutely inexcusable from an ESPN standpoint and makes it very, very difficult to... Know, follow the Crimson Tide. It makes it very, very difficult to not subscribe to ESPN Plus, and I guess that's probably uh, that's probably what they wanted. You wanted you to go ahead and uh, bounce over, make sure you have this, uh, the uh, souped-up cable package so you have ESPN News, or subscribe to ESPN Plus. And look, I subscribe to ESPN Plus because it is very helpful for my job, but I know everybody, you know, the budgets are tight. Uh, not everybody can afford to, you know, make extra streaming services, uh, yeah, yeah. So ESPN, uh, college football, got to do a little better job of spreading out the games, got to do a little bit better job of putting games on different channels and not having, look, if you, you, you know, Alabama and, and Mississippi State's kicking off at eight o'clock, eight ten, and you have Ole Miss and LSU at five o'clock. I'm sorry, like, I am not really like a genius or anything, but I can tell you that the, oh, I could have told you Ole Miss and LSU was not going to be finished in time. And it wasn't even remotely close to being finished in time. Uh, so we'll start off right there with a little complaint. But if you missed it, if you missed the first part of the game, you can look at it on MammoCentral.com. You can look at my uh, observations. I broke down pretty much all the important snaps in the first part of the game and throughout the ball game. 41 snaps pretty much carried you through the entirety of the game. Yes, the second half became somewhat of a blowout and became, uh, you know, wide open, wide open affair and a little less than serious football. But what's your takeaways? What's your biggest takeaways from Alabama beating Mississippi State? Okay, you're 2-0 in conference play. Great. You've gone back-to-back week, weeks against the Mississippi schools. Uh, and, okay, you're feeling good. You've now officially put the Texas game to bed. And you've moved into conference play. You're sitting there tied for first place with Texas A&M. And we'll get into Texas A&M later in the week as Alabama's heading out to College Station at 2.30 on Saturday to take on the Texas A&M Aggies. Uh, both Alabama and A&M sitting in sole first place, you know, tied for first place 
in the SEC West. Winner that's coming up week is going to uh, have a huge, huge advantage. And that's going to be a huge game. But we're talking about Mississippi State. You beat Mississippi State forty to seventeen, and let's just start with the uh, the very obvious. As my dog, hey, as my dog swallows some things. Hey, come on now, let's not do that. Let's come sit up here. Yeah, let's just come sit up here. Perfect. Hey, puppy. Oh, if you're watching us on YouTube, you can see the puppy. Oh yeah. All right, we will get right back into it. All right, the the obvious, gentlemen, Milrow. Let's start with Jalen Milrow because that's where you know the easy conversation is. Uh, Jalen Milrow goes 10 of 12 for 164 yards, 11 carries, 69 nice yards, and scores two touchdowns on the ground. Jalen Milrow had a pedestrian passing game, but you only had to throw 12 or 12 times. Uh, you only threw it 12 times, uh, and really, honestly, I think Jalen Milrow was more likely 11 of 12 for 185 yards and a touchdown, a touchdown pass to Amari Nyblack that the Alabama coaches did not challenge, did not stop, did not take a timeout to challenge. Would it have been close? Would it have been a 50-50 call? Yes, Amari Nyblack did get his feet down in bounds. It would have been a question, a matter of when the referees uh, determined that he established control. Uh, but Jalen Milrow, I think you're seeing significant significant excuse me, significant growth from Jalen Milrow over the last uh, six quarters, really since he got his starting job back. Obviously, you didn't like the throw, the interception into the end zone against Ole Miss, but really the second half of the Ole Miss game, the second half of the Ole Miss game, and throughout the Mississippi State game, Jalen Milrow played, you know, a very careful ball game, a very conservative ball game, but you know, conservative ball game. You threw it twelve times and you scored forty points. Well, really, you scored thirty-three points. You got to give. Uh, you got to give seven points to Chris Braswell. Obviously, great play for Chris Braswell on an interception. Jamarian Latham tipping a Will Rogers pass into Chris Braswell's hands, and Braswell rumbling, bumbling, stumbling down the sidelines and scoring a touchdown. Jalen Milrow, you scored thirty-three points on just twelve passing attempts. I think this. Uh, everybody needs to back up real quick. And and, and before you make big judgments on this ball game, you got to realize, I think Mississippi State's bad. I think Mississippi State is a bad football team. And I don't know who they might beat on their schedule. Yes, they're playing Western Michigan this coming up weekend, and they might be, they'll probably beat Western Michigan. But who in the SEC are they going to beat? They get their butt kicked up front against LSU. Alabama really kicked their butt up front again, uh, both on the offensive and defensive line. Will Rogers, fine little player. Will Rogers is obviously a pretty pretty nice SEC quarterback. He's, what, fourth, fifth in uh, conference history and passing yards. So great. Will Rogers, but they're a team in transition. They're a team under Zach Arnett, who I, look, got into it this past week looking at Zach Arnett, and then I watched him on Saturday, and I watched his post-game press conference, and I re-watched the game very, very slowly. Zach Arnett is in over his head. He, I don't know who he's going to beat this year in the SEC. He's emotionally, uh, he's emo not emotionally unstable, but he's not emotionally mature. He gets into his bag a bit, and I don't really know that. Uh, I don't really know that. I think that he's a great leader. Uh, so I, I, I don't know that you, how much you really want to take away from this game against, uh, against Mississippi State. What you can take away is the fact that you didn't turn the football over. 
even though you could have on a Kool-Aid McKinstry punt return. God, Kool-Aid, what are you doing, my friend? And then you could have on a Seth McLaughlin snap right into uh, the side of Jalen Milrow's body that got fumbled around and uh, Alabama luckily recovered the ball. So, right, you, you, you ended up with not turning the football over. You ended up rushing the rushing for what, 290-something yards? Is that what I have on my sheet? Uh, rushed for 193 yards on the game out of uh, 43 rushing attempts. So, really – Nick Saban, Tommy Reese, the Alabama offense walked into this game. I think they walked into this game knowing that, you know, from a pound-for-pound talent standpoint, Mississippi State wasn't going to be able to hold a candle to them. And so you coach it into Jalen Milrow. Don't force the football. Don't put it into bad situations. Jalen Milrow played a pretty good game, completing uh, 10 of 12. I mean, you you, uh, you look at Mississippi State over the last three weeks. You look at Jalen Milrow, Spencer Rattler, and Jaden Daniels. All three quarterbacks combined now for 87% completion percentage. Yikes! And Zach Arnett, you're supposed to be a defensive coach. Terrible, terrible, terrible defense from the Mississippi State perspective. And so, like, you do want to give credit to the opponent for challenging you, but I I just don't think that Mississippi State is a great measuring stick as far as uh, what Alabama's going to do the rest of the year. Yes, obviously better than USF, obviously better than MTSU, obviously not as good as Texas, and I would say not as good as Ole Miss either. But you look at the last two weeks, each of the last two weeks with Lane Kiffin, uh, Lane Kiffin, Pete Golding, and then you look at Zach Arnett from a, from a defensive standpoint. I don't really know that they challenged the Alabama offense. Pete Golding really rushing three, dropping one as a spy, r- dropping the other eight in, in, into coverage. And then I don't know what Mississippi State saw, but they tried similar. You know, they 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 tried a similar approach. Yes, they slanted a lot more up front. They slanted a lot more up front in a three-three-five front. They tried to bring uh, one of the linebackers out of the you know, the second level to give them you know rushing four most of the time. Uh, whether it was Jet Johnson or someone else. And okay, you've got some decent linebacker play, but athletically, pound for pound, man for man. Mississippi State couldn't hold a candle to this Alabama offensive line, couldn't hold a candle to Jace McClellan. Look, Jace McClellan was uh, a stud throughout the entire game. A lot of mature runs for Jace McClellan. Jace McClellan taking uh, – Jace McClellan – oh, I just lost it. Jace McClellan taking how many carries for uh, – 15 carries for 63 yards and a touchdown. Look, his run, the longest run of the day was just 12 yards. But maturity to pick his way through the offensive line and to challenge – uh, to challenge the Mississippi State defense. Yes, Stingray, right there. I mean, uh, my, my man Stingray watching us on Facebook, commenting on Facebook, just like you you guys can, commenting, Mississippi State is just absolutely horrible. And I don't mean to be disrespectful, but but yes, they were like, there, there's nothing. Alabama never got it, never needed to get into second gear offensively. Now, they were calling all the plays right off the first play, page of the playbook, and people talked about, oh, why did Jermaine Burton not get involved? Where was the Alabama wide receivers? They never needed to. They never needed to really stretch the football, uh, stretch the field down, you know, stretch things down the field because I think Alabama was patient and knew that, hey, we can hammer Mississippi State. We can go five yards a pop, four yards a pop. What was the actual rushing total? Uh, They went how many rushing yards per four and a half yards a carry? Four and a half yards a carry for four on 43 carries. And like, you basically took a hammer to Mississippi State's face throughout the entire night. And great. 
like uh, that's a good thing to do, but you didn't really uh, you didn't really need to get out of second gear or get out of first gear, really. And so let's talk. Jalen Milrow, were you happy with his performance? Yeah, you were. You were happy with his performance. But is it that encouraging going forward? No, it's not. It's not discouraging. It's not discouraging, I don't believe. But it's just kind of is what it is. It's kind of one of those performances against a team that was never really going to be in the ballgame only going to be in the ballgame if you let them be in the ballgame. If you turn the football over, if you gave them mistakes, if you had a lot of penalties, Alabama's penalty yardage on the on the day, Alabama only with, Alabama was six penalties for 40 yards. Yeah, that's six more than you wanted to have. But uh, what I thought, uh, when I rewatched it, a couple of them were procedural. A couple of them were holding. Like, you know, you just never really helped Mississippi State out. And because you never helped them out, they never stood a chance in the, in the ballgame. Biggest biggest complaint for Jalen Milrow was this. Jalen Milrow oh, twice in the very beginning of the in the very beginning of the game, and he did this last week against Ole Miss, and he did it against Texas as well. You're rolling out, you're escaping a clean pocket, or you're escaping pressure, whatever the case may be, and instead you're looking downfield. I like it. You're looking downfield. You're trying to see you know if you can make a play, if you can make a pass down the field, and as you're running, running, running down, you know, parallel to the line of scrimmage. You run yourself out of bounds. You either run yourself out of bounds for a, for a loss or you just wait, 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 and a state defender sacks you for, for a six-yard loss. And Jalen Miller, your next step, your next step of development is going to be to realize, okay, I'm out here all alone. I've already escaped the pocket. I'm already gotten out here. Throw the football away. Throw the football away. There's no need to take a six-yard sack. There's no need to run out of bounds for a four-yard loss uh, just because you're already running. Just flick that bad boy out of bounds ahead of you. There's no reason to – so that's your next step. That's his next step, in my opinion, of developing as a quarterback is don't take those dumb sacks. Okay, if if they rush you and they get you in the pocket and they sack you, that's going to happen. But if you are, if you've escaped the pocket, you're looking downfield, and this happened twice. You're looking downfield, looking, 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 looking. Nobody there, nobody that you want to force the ball into, and you get hit in the back for a six-yard loss. Like, dude, you've already escaped the pocket. You already know the play is dying. The the, the your internal clock needs to be click, 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 click. Throw it out of bounds. Uh, so that's where I want to see Jalen Milrow improve uh, as he continues to lead this offense. And he's going to have to, uh, you know, have a little bit more of a dynamic game against uh, Texas A&M this coming up weekend. Really, uh, Mississippi State, no disrespect to him, but you just didn't have athletes uh, that would challenge Alabama. Didn't have athletes that would challenge Alabama on the offensive end. I mean, Tula Griffin, good receiver, good receiver. Woody Marks, pretty good running back. And Will Rogers, good little quarterback. But you don't have the protection and you don't have the depth at receiver to get after the secondary. I mean, you're throwing Tulu Griffin against Terran Arnold or Kool-Aid McKinstry, and you saw how that worked out really kind of poorly. Look, Tulu Griffin with yeah, five catches, 21 yards, everything underneath, everything underneath. Uh, my man Stingray, what are your thoughts on cowbells as a tradition in the SEC? I don't, I don't really have any thoughts uh, pro, pro or con. I do think they're annoying. I absolutely think they're annoying, but uh, I don't really think that you know they should be in trouble for. I, I saw a lot of takes. Oh, this should be not allowed. This shouldn't be allowed. Yada, yada, yada. A lot of uh, you had several prominent Alabama Twitter accounts saying, "Oh, look, they're not." ringing their bells uh, responsibly. They're ringing their bells. I don't care. Mississippi State needs all the help they can get. 
They need all the help they can get. So let them ring those daggum bells. Is it annoying? Yes. But you know that going in, take your earplugs and just watch the ball game or watch the game at home if you don't want to deal with the cowbells. You just know what you're going to get when you go over to Starkville. Uh, so, I mean, I'm happy with the performance. I am. But, like, am I doing backflips because Alabama won by, what was it, 20, yeah, 23 points? No. I mean, you covered great. Joe Gaither, you're 4-1 and one against the spread on your picks. All the Bama Central crew picked Alabama to cover the spread. And so, boom, Katie Wyndham got back on the winning scoreboard. Austin Hannon got back on the winning scoreboard. Lots of people got back on the winning scoreboard against the spread. And, again, obviously those are for entertainment purposes only. We do not condone you gambling. It's illegal to gamble in the state of Alabama uh, for now, for now, for now. But Jalen Miller, good little day. Uh I uh, didn't have to do really anything too special. My other big, big positive for Jalen Milrow is several of his plays, uh, several of his completions came after he had moved in the pocket, moved forward in the pocket, left or right. He kept his eyes downfield and found CJ Dupree a time or two, found Amari Nyback. Now, obviously, Amari Nyback was his favorite target. And we'll talk about Amari Nyback in just a second. But Jalen Milrow not just pulling the football down and running as soon as he's decided to move a little bit in the pocket. Yes, you want to use his legs, but you saw it last week in the second half against Ole Miss when the when the when the spy triggers, when the spy flashes, whoever's spying in the secondary or in the second level at the linebacker level, whenever whenever the the, the spy triggers and tries to get you, Jalen Milrow, that's when coverages start to break. You step up a little bit, and everybody's afraid of your legs. Everybody's scared of your speed, and coverages start to break, and holes start to pop open. And yeah, you haven't hit you haven't hit down the field for for like massive yardage, but a 15 yard pass to 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 Amari Nyblack can turn into a 22 yard pass with a little run after the catch. You saw that a couple of times. Malik Benson got himself a nice reception as well uh, after you know moving around the pocket just a little bit and finding Malik Benson. I think you're seeing Jalen Milrow develop as a quarterback in front of our eyes. Now, is it perfect? Is he developing as fast as you want it to him as you want him to? No, it's not. I mean, you, you want him to be Bryce Young out there. You want him to be Tua Tagovailoa, Mac, Mac Jones. You want him to be Caleb Williams. You want him to be a dynamic quarterback that's, uh, you know, making the right reads all the time. And that's not going to be Jalen Milrow. But what you've seen in the last six quarters, the last six quarters is he's protected the football really, really well. And that brings you to the flip side. The Alabama defense, all they need you to do is protect the ball, get them in a good field position. You got James Burnett punting behind you. If you're if you're going three and out, or if you're you know ugh, inexplicably losing yardage on a third and one that happened uh, in the in, in the first half, you can look at that clip right there at BamaCentral.com. My 41 observations from the game. Yeah. You give it to Jay, you give it to James Burnett, or you turn it over to Will Riker. You turn it over to your specialist, and you let Will Riker kick field goals uh, at a, at an impressive clip. Or you give it to James Burnett, and you let Burnett bomb it down the field and set up uh, set up Mississippi State on the one yard line. Like that's all you got to do is let this defense give them a chance, give them 80, 90, 70 yards of a cushion behind them. Let, let the specialists do their job. Don't turn the football over and create easy points. Look, you gave, you basically gave Texas 10 points off turnovers, setting them up with short fields, going back to the second week of the season. Ever since then, you're not turning the football over. 
You're in control. Does it look very pretty? No, it doesn't look very pretty against Ole Miss or Mississippi State. But was Alabama ever out of the game in either of those two matchups? No. Alabama was right there in the balance of the game against Ole Miss as the game was still kind of teetering back and forth through the first half. And then the second half, Alabama's you know skill and Alabama's physicality shines through. Okay, Mississippi State, you never really were in the ball game. Sorry, it just it just weren't. After the fifty-three yard quarterback quarterback draw, it's basically over. Quarterback draw, Chris Braswell interception. Yeah, the game got a little tighter. I think it was seventeen ten. I believe it was seventeen ten for for a minute. But then Alabama breaks it back open, and from there, it's it's basically over. So just turn, don't turn the football over, Jalen, and go back, go back to July, go back to June, to to, to you know May. You're thinking, oh, this Alabama offensive line is going to be so strong. Oh, this Alabama defense is going to be so strong. And everybody's talking about who's going to play quarterback. And you're getting the outside pundits saying Nick Saban doesn't have a quarterback. Nick Saban needs – you get the Paul Feinbaums. Oh, they're going to have quarterback problems. Nobody's winning the job. You're right. Nobody really did win the job. But all the Alabama people inside the family, inside the the the, 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 the program, basically were saying if we just get a guy – who doesn't turn the football over, makes good decisions, keeps Alabama's offense on schedule, i.e. think back to many, many quarterbacks Alabama has won national championships with. Was Greg McElroy a dynamic quarterback? No. Was Jay Coker a dynamic quarterback? Absolutely not. Blake Sims didn't win a national title, but he, but he got to Alabama to an S- he won an SEC title and got him to the playoffs. Was he a dynamic quarterback? I mean, yes, he was dual threat, but it was basically Blake Sims to Amari Cooper as many times as they could scheme it up. It wasn't like you had a quarterback that was just wheeling and dealing in the early parts of the Saban era, the early parts of the Saban dynasty. I like A.J. McCarron. I really do. A.J. McCarron is a baller. But A.J., you know, he's a B-plus quarterback. He's not a superstar. Now, he had a hell of a college career, absolutely, and earned it because he knew what he was doing. He let the team, he let the offensive line, he let the running game, he let the defense kind of do their jobs, and he just stuck to doing his job. And so you're seeing that over the last mm, six quarters with Jalen Milrow as well. Don't turn the football over. Don't Put the Alabama defense in bad positions. Look, Texas should have scored 14 points off those turnovers. They set uh, Jalen Miller's interceptions, set Texas up inside the red zone both times. Luckily, the defense got a stop and, and, and forced a three-pointer, so it was only 10 points to 14. But all you got to do, I mean, yeah, you, you go back and you feel bad about the Texas loss. All you got to do is just protect the dadgum football a lesson that Jalen Miller is going to need to stay and keep at the forefront of his mind going out to College Station. All right, so I want to hit Jason McClellan uh, because a lot of talk has been about the running backs and the reps given to the running backs of Roy Dell Williams, Jason McClellan, where in the world is Justice Haynes, and what about Jam Miller? Look, Jason McClellan is keeping them all off the field. Now, Roy Dell's getting his reps because Roy Dell's earned his reps, and Roy Dell has largely played well with his reps. You go back to your box score real quick, and you see both Roy Dell with 4.4 and Jason McClellan with 4.2, both of them with over double digit carries. You put them both together at 25 carries, that's 107 yards. 107 yards on a touchdown. Neither of them have game break, you know, have broken off. Uh, major runs this year. Yeah, I think you can think back to Jason McClellan against MTSU, but other than that, no, nobody's real. And Roy Dell against the uh, USF. Uh, but come on, those games uh, just between you and me, they don't count. They're just they're just uh, scrimmages, really. Glorified scrimmages, really. 
Uh, I'm happy with what you've seen out of Jace McClellan. Now, do you want to see more? Do you want to see a home run hitter? Yes, you do. But Roy Dell and Jace McClellan have both really operated at a mature level, have picked their way through the offensive line, have operated physically, have kept the ball off the ground, and have really been reliable running backs. Now, you'd, you'd like to see a little bit more in pass protection. You would. You'd like to see a little bit more uh, out of them. Uh, but they're both coming on. Jace McClellan, a couple of really nice pass protection reps this past week against MTSU as the Bulldogs were trying to do anything they could do to really disrupt Disrupt uh, Jalen Milrow, but look, I just don't really, I don't really take a ton away. I don't really take a ton away from this Mississippi State game due to the fact that I think Mississippi State's really bad. I think that they're going to end up with a pretty bad record this year. Uh, Zach Arnett just doesn't look like he's a head coach. Uh, he's complaining to his assistant coaches about calls that were and were not made, and you could tell the frustration seeped into Zach Arnett very, very early. After the ball game, after the ball game, you could see uh, in his post game press conference, he allowed very little easy questions to get under his skin. He got r- kind of really irritated with his sports information director. I don't know who it was, but he uh, the sports information director handed him a wrong sheet of paper. Which come on, like that's not the end of the world. Yes, you want to get the right stats. But he's asked Arnett has asked a question, and he says, "Oh, Alabama rushed for X amount of yards." And he says, oh, I'm sorry, I've got F and halftime stats. And he stares and looks at his SID, and the SID gives him a different sheet of paper, and obviously it's the full-time stats. And Arnett spends 30, 40 seconds just glaring at him, just glaring at the SID. And I'm like, okay, you want to get it right, of course, and, and, and maybe there's a little bit of an embarrassment, but like, it's not. Look, I say wrong stats on here all the time. If I can correct myself, I try to very much so. And do I, you know, kick myself a little bit if I read a wrong stat? Yeah, but I'm reading and speaking pretty quickly. Things are happening pretty fast on the Joe Gaither show, and they're happening a lot faster in front of postgame media. Zach Garnett just looked out of his depth, low character, low energy. He just kind of looked like. Uh, well, well, of course, we're not going to be in this game. He looked like he had no belief in his team. Uh, he looked like he had no belief in his system, no belief in his athletes, and that looked like it trickled down into uh, the Mississippi State Bulldogs' uh, sidelines and in their effort and their execution. Now, i got to give Woody Marks a lot of credit. Woody Marks is a pretty gang- dang good running back uh, and a battler. He was battling the entire game. Obviously, he had a little foot, ankle, something something bothering him throughout the ball game. Came into the game with a little bit of a foot, ankle problem, injury problem. But played his daggum tail off. Uh, that, that, that's a player I would like to have on my football team pretty much all day, any day. Woody Marks, got to give you a lot of credit. Uh, let's go back to Omari Nyback real quick because Omari Nyback was the most efficient, most effective passing weapon for Alabama. But you can look in our uh, 41 observations from the ball game right there on BamaCentral.com or right there on my Twitter account uh, at Joe Gaither6, and I'll post it on my Facebook here pretty shortly. Uh, Omari Nyback can't block. Oh, my gosh, he cannot block. There's a reason Robbie Utes is getting the most playing time out of any of the tight ends. Uh, C.J. Dupree secondarily. Uh, but it's basically it's basically Robbie Utes, C.J. Dupree, uh, 1A and 1B, and then it's Amari Nyblak coming in in passing situations. And, and sometimes they're putting Amari Nyblak in there, but he can't block. Oh, my 
God, she's got very low physicality. Uh, and so if Lamar Nyblak, if you want to become uh, a, an extremely dangerous weapon, now he's just a sophomore. He's just a sophomore. Uh, so he's got plenty of time. He's got plenty of time to continue to grow, continue to develop. He's got to have, what, uh, eight more games, eight more regular season games this year. And then, of course, he's going to have a postseason play, and he's got to be in school for at least one more year. But my man, oh, he, he, he's struggling in the blocking. He's struggling in the blocking area. Uh, and, and so, Amari and I, like, if you want to see more competitive and more consistent, more consistent uh, playing time, you're going to have to upgrade on, in the blocking. That or you're just going to transition to a glorified wide receiver. Uh, and the wide receivers left a lot to be desired this past weekend. But, I, again, I go back to the very beginning of the conversation. I don't think that Mississippi State ever really made you do anything special from a wide receiver perspective. I think that, you know, you, you were able to stay in a very simplified game plan throughout the entire game where you didn't have to throw the ball down the field. You didn't have to stretch and test Mississippi State down the field. So, therefore, the wide receivers only coming away with, what, four receptions? Uh, four receptions by wide receivers for 52 total yards. Uh, my man Tyler White over there, uh, he was covering the Auburn game this past weekend, Auburn-Georgia game. My man Tyler White chiming in. C.J. Dupree makes, made some tough catches. He has made some tough catches. He's a baller. I like C.J. Dupree's all-around game. He is easily the most complete tight end in the room. Now, uh, you like Robbie Woods for what he can do in the blocking game. You like Amari Nyblak for what he can do in the receiving game. So each of those are probably better blockers than C.J. Dupree, better receivers than C.J. Dupree. But as far as your overall tight end and complete skill set, C.J. Dupree has been a heck of a transfer out of the portal. Is he? This is just off the top of my head. Is he the best transfer that's come in so far uh, this year? I mean, obviously, you got Tresman Marshall is pretty much the only other candidate. Uh, C.J. Dupree, Tresman Marshall, and Jalen Key and Trey Amos all, all, all transferring in. Yeah, I think C.J. Dupree, I'll, I'll say it right now, has been the best the transferee uh, so far this year through the first, what, four or five games. We'll keep it rolling here on the Joe Gaither Show. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, on so on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on Amazon. Uh, let's keep going on the offensive side of the football. We got some major snapping problems still. Yeah, the, the, this, the, this issue started against Texas. This issue started against Texas, and today Nick Saban addressed it a little bit during his press conference. You can check it out at BamaCentral.com. His and Jalen Milrow's comments about the snapping issues, and Jalen Milrow being a leader, absolutely a leader, saying, oh, it's my responsibility. I've got to be louder. I've got to communicate louder so Seth McLaughlin can hear me. I wasn't loud enough, and so that's why the snap went right into my shoulder and almost became a turnover. All right, I'll give you that. I'll give you that pass. Absolutely. Uh, but no, uh, okay, uh, if you're snapping it earlier, you're snapping it late, or you're, or, or you're not hearing Jalen Milrow, that's one thing. That is one thing, and that is on the quarterback more so than anything. But my issue is you're snapping the ball at his feet. You're snapping the ball at a, uh, you know up over his head. You're snapping the ball to his left, to his right. There's no consistency. There's no consistency at all. And I'm hearing, oh, well, Jalen Milrow, he's – too far back in the backfield. Oh, Jalen Milrow's not on his spot in the backfield. That is hooey. That is a load of hooey, if I've ever heard. Like, like okay, even if Jalen Milrow was two yards too far back in the backfield, even if he was two yards too far forward in the, in, in the backfield, the snap should be coming out at the same rate 
the same pace, the same place every time. So if Jalen Milrow was off his spot from, uh, as a quarterback, then you would see the snap consistently in the same spot. It's not consistently in the same spot. Sometimes, like I said, it's at his feet, it's at his head, it's at his left shoulder, it's at his right shoulder, it's off to his right hip, it's off to his left hip. It's all over the place. Sometimes the snap comes uh, 100 miles an hour. Sometimes it's coming really soft. There's no consistency in the snapping game. And Seth, Seth McLaughlin, he's a hard worker. He's a good player. He's been a good player. He's been uh, kind of a try-hard player who's always kind of been that – I'll do the best I can, and I know my job very well, and I'll give you max effort. I do think he's given you max effort. I absolutely don't want to condemn his effort. But the execution has just been absolutely poor over the last, you know, since the Texas game. Yeah, you have the drop snap against MTSU that turns into a touchdown run. Um, Poor. Uh, perspective. Oh, look, my my microphone since my dog bumped that. There we go. There we go. I'm sorry about that. You got the dog in the in the lap. You got the the dog. Uh, you got the dog in the lap bumping the microphone, and sometimes that's going to happen. But yeah, just poor uh, overall snapping consistency from uh, Seth McLaughlin. And I like Seth. I like Seth. He works hard. He plays hard. Uh, I just don't know that uh, you, you haven't really have. Uh, you haven't really had consistency at the snapping position. And while you're evaluating the offensive line, when you're evaluating the quarterback, it all plays into itself. It all it, it, like look, you want the snap to come at the right time. Coach Saban addressed this today because it throws off the timing of the play. Receivers breaking open. It throws off the timing of the play. Running back to quarterback handoff. It throws off the quarterback reads if he's catching the football left, right, and center. It throws everything off. And I think, yeah, come on, Seth, you got to be better as we head into the deeper parts of SEC play. Uh, I do think he can do better. Absolutely think he can do better. We've seen it before. I just, like, if he's injured, okay, let's say that. Let's say he's fighting through an injury. He's playing through pain. And, like, you play through pain, you're going to gain respect. Absolutely going to gain respect. And I've kind of been talking and asking about if he's hurt or not, and I've heard different answers. I don't know. I don't know. And I will definitely give you respect if you are playing through pain, and we know this. Um, and, and whether it's competitive advantage or disadvantage for you to hide an injury if you are injured, whatever. I think it's a more competitive disadvantage to snap the football all over the map. I uh, go to high school games all the time, every week, and if I were a high school football coach, I would call a, a punt block all the time, every time, because these long snappers are terrible snappers. They're getting the football back to these punters in all kinds of different different manners, and I would put a lot of pressure on these punters, and I'd do the same thing if I'm playing Alabama because the snap issues, the snap inconsistencies are throwing a huge wrench into the offensive scheme, the offensive flow. My man Cameron Rossi chiming in. Dude, uh, choose cowbells. Uh, th those cowbells gave me a massive headache, and I was listening on the app. And, like, yes, hey, I, you could hear them in the broadcast the whole ring, 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 ring time. And uh, it's just one of those things you got to deal with. I do think that Jalen Milrow on the on the snap that was uh, that was botched, the, the major snap that was botched that turned into a fumble, I do think, hey, doggy, you're going to have to – Get your butt down as you're getting too excited. Uh, I do think that Jalen Milrow probably was right in his excuse, saying, "Oh, it was on me. I need to, uh, I need to speak up louder. I need to yell louder." 
And so, Cameron, I think you're exactly right that that affected that snap, that particular snap. Um, and maybe that's what happened on the first and goal from the one-yard line where Seth was listening or trying to hear a snap count and snapped it too early. I don't know, but you, but you got to start hitting the man in the chest at a at a nice easy pace so that so that Jalen Milrow or whoever the quarterback is Simpson Buckner you know your mom it doesn't matter whoever the quarterback is back there needs to catch it right there right under their chin so they know it's coming right there and can keep their eyes up and keep the offensive rhythm uh, on pace and in rhythm. All right, that's basically all my offensive notes. Uh, that's basically all my offensive notes. Uh, well, no, yeah, that's all my offensive notes. Let's flip to the defense real quick. Let's flip to the defense. I appreciate everybody watching us. We got my man Tyler White commenting, my man Stingray commenting, Cameron Rossi commenting. Make sure you check out Tyler White on television covering all things uh, Southern Alabama sports, I believe, in Montgomery area, I believe, uh, covering all, all, all kinds of things. He was over there at the Auburn game this past weekend, Auburn, Georgia, and my man Stingray on the radio in Hattiesburg right and right here in Tuscaloosa on the Stingray Show with Heath Hopkins. So appreciate some media buddies hanging out with us and Cameron Rossi, you as well. So everybody chiming in all on the Facebook side of things, Twitter side of things, YouTube, all kinds of social media pages. You can find us at Joe Gaither 6. All right, let's flip to the defensive side of the football uh, as we kind of conclude the the, uh, the Alabama talk here. Uh, oh, perfect, perfect, perfect. Uh, just getting a little style notes for my piece there. Kevin Steele. And Tavares Robinson. Kevin Steele and Tavares Robinson have been absolutely in their bag really since the Texas game. If you watch the Texas or if you listen to the shows after the Texas game, I really, really complained about the lack of creativity, the lack of pressure, the lack of pressure packages, the lack of blitzing stunting games, you know, whatever you want to call them, uh, not always blitzing, but, you know, bring three from here, bring four from here, drop one from there. I, I was really, really upset with the way that Alabama played defensively against Texas, especially up front. Uh, not really pressuring, not really pressuring Texas at all. Obviously, Quinn Ewers never got sacked. He got like two quarterback pressures. Since then, Oh my gosh, since then, it's like Kevin Steele said, I'm just going to make up for that one game. And, and whether it's Kevin Steele calling the defense or go back to go back to uh, the Lane Kiffin comments saying, oh, Traveris Robinson's calling the defense. I don't really think Traveris Robinson's calling the defense, but I do think he's influencing it. I think that they're having much more of a group think, a much more of a let's plan this out together, and all three of us, Nick Saban included, uh, put their minds together through the week and draw up a game plan, and they're getting after it. Oh, it's so much fun to watch the pressure come from all different angles. Now, first off, if you're not going to call a pressure and you've just got Chris Braswell and Dallas Turner coming off the edges, off both edges, I mean, what more could you want? Oh, those guys have been uh, have been deadly off the edges. Those guys have been incredibly dangerous off the edges. And so, okay, you don't always have to call a pressure package. You can play a rush four, drop seven. Everybody plays into his zone, and everybody kind of plays a traditional, you know, cover three, cover two, you know, cover six. You can play whatever you want to do. Cover a four. You can go straight up, man, whatever you want to do. But my gosh. Even with Deontay Lawson out, you're seeing the you're seeing uh, the Alabama defense. You're seeing the Alabama defense run stunts, run games. You're seeing safety blitzes. You're seeing zone blitzes. You're seeing Dallas Turner drop out and people coming from the other side, vice versa. You're seeing Chris Braswell drop out and people looping around coming from the other side. I mean, the play that Chris Braswell made on the pick six. Well, I mean, my man wasn't rushing. 
And people talk about going back to, oh, my gosh, Pete Golding, why are you going to drop Will Anderson, your best pass rusher? You get creative because it messes with the quarterbacks. Yes, they know that Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell are two deadly edge rushers. And you know that Tim Keenan and Jaheim Otis and uh, Justin Aboigby and Jamarian Latham have been really, really good up front as far as, as, far as scheming. What are you chewing on? That's what I don't understand. I, my, my dog is chewing on something. Uh, and that's driving me absolutely nuts. So I apologize to my listeners and my viewers. Uh, but you got great pressure, one-on-one individual pressure, and but to uh, supplement it, to supplement it with J- with Jihad Campbell, Tresman Marshall coming through, twisting, you know, hitting different gaps. Everybody, you know, hitting an end tackle stunt with with Dallas Turner and Aboigbe, or hitting an end tackle stunt with uh, with Tim Keenan and Tim Keenan and Chris Braswell. Just movement along the offensive line, confusion along the offensive line. You gotta watch it. I know a lot of you guys are watching the watching the football, and you know you're following the quarterback and that sort of thing, but. Take some time next time Alabama plays 2.30 on Saturday against Texas A&M. Take some time to really watch one of the edge rushers. Just take a series and say, I'm only going to watch Dallas Turner. I'm only going to watch Chris Braswell. Discipline your eyes a little bit so that you can see, oh, my gosh, what they're doing up front with Jamarian Latham, with Justin Aboyu, with Tim Keenan, with with, with Tim Keenan and Jaheim Otis as well. All those guys playing so well and playing so versatilely. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to see. And so it's basically like they took the game plan that they, that they went against Texas, crumpled it up in a piece of paper, and threw it out the window, and we haven't seen it since. And I hope we'd never see it again. I, I, I Look look who you got on the back end. Terry and Alda, Kool-Aid McKinstry. Caleb Downs getting his first college interception this past weekend. Yeah, it wasn't that hard of a play. Uh, Will Rogers threw it right up to him, kind of a throwaway play. But you got a really strong secondary. Trust them. Trust them. Put them in a position to where they can make plays. You got Jalen Key, who's playing pretty well, coming 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 back from his injury. Uh, you got Trey Amos, who's coming along as well. Like you've got some really strong. Golly, Malachi Moore. How did I not say your name first? Malachi Moore has been. I mean, yeah, you see him, and he's probably a little undersized from what you like, but he is just all over the place. He is all over the place, and he is making physical plays. He, he made a play, a tackle for a loss in this past game on a screen pass where the the blocker's coming out to block him, kick him out. He eludes the blocker. He makes a big old tackle for a loss. The secondary is probably, I mean, as much as I want to compliment the edge rushers and Dallas Turner today saying the edge rushing room is the best room on the, on the team, I don't know, Dallas. I think the secondary might have you beat, my man, might have you beat. And it's just so much fun to watch Kevin Steele, watch Tavares Robinson, watch Nick Saban, whoever's calling the defense, watch them all put together a game plan and watch them effectively really get after these quarterbacks and really confuse these quarterbacks. And you're going to have to do it again. You're going to have to do it again this weekend out there at College Station. you got Max Johnson, who's got limited experience. Get after his butt. Get after him right now. And I know they got Evan Stewart and they got Anaya Smith and they got good, they got good receivers, and we'll get into that later in the week. But you got to affect the quarterback. Before I think it all starts right there. If you affect the quarterback, like you saw against Will Rogers, like you saw against Jackson Dart, all right, you saw it the, the, the week prior with Byron Brown. But again, I throw out, I throw out really the USF game because who cares about what you do against USF and MTSU? No disrespect to them, but that's not who you're competing against long term down the line. Uh, but. 
it's been a lot of fun to watch the defense play. Now, Tresman Marshall had his best game so far in an Alabama uniform. And Jihad Campbell, 14 tackles. 14 tackles was all over the place as well. Those two guys... Do you want Deontay Lawson back? Absolutely. Absolutely you want him back. But those two guys have stepped in admirably for this Alabama defense and really, really uh, they're holding the rope very strong on that inside linebacker room. And so it's been a ton of fun to watch really this past game. So let's wrap up the Mississippi State game. We'll go around the SEC in just a moment. But here's our final thoughts on Mississippi State. First off, don't be upset with what you saw. Don't be upset that the passing game wasn't really electric because I don't really think that I, I think Tommy Reese knew that we're just going to be able to handle this team. We want to continue to instill confidence in Jalen Milrow, and that's what they did 10 of 12. Now, granted, I wish selfishly, I wish that they would have challenged the Amari Nyblack touchdown pass because I think he was in. I do think he was in. Uh, but and, and that would have made the Jalen Milrow passing line look a lot better, 100, 185 yards and a touchdown instead of just 164 yards. But the best thing was no turnovers. You run for 69 yards. You get the two touchdowns. Now, do you want to make better decisions when you're rolling out? Yes, you want to make better decisions not taking sacks. If you're already outside the pocket, throw the football away. If, if, throw the football away. You have a couple sacks where you run yourself out of bounds for a three or four-yard loss. There's no need for that. Uh, have a little bit better field awareness. Uh, I think Jalen Miller played a pretty fine A-minus uh, A game, not putting the football into too many dangerous positions, allowing Martin Iblack, allowing Malik Benson, C.J. Dupree to make several plays, uh, Isaiah Bond getting himself a, a catch as well. I, I, I think that what you saw this past weekend was Alabama knowing that they had Mississippi State outmatched from pretty much every position, no disrespect Bulldogs, and I think from a coaching position too, I was really highly unimpressed with Zach Garnett. I mean, Zach Garnett, uh, let's just say you're one, two, three. Look, you played you played five games here. I think you're the fifth worst guy. You're the fifth best coach that Alabama's faced this, this season. You go back to uh, you go back to the USF coach. Better better attitude. Challenged Alabama all over the place. Texas obviously Sark is probably your, the best coach that you've faced. They they beat you. Uh, Lane Kiffin. You know, probably your second, third best coach. I, I think I was really impressed with the USF coaching staff and their plan and their and their attack, uh, the way that they got after Alabama. Fearlessness, fearlessness. Zach Arnett coached the game like he knew that his team had no chance, in my opinion, and never really gave the Bulldogs, their uh, gave the players a chance. And so, yeah, right now, uh, after five weeks, Zach Garnett just highly unimpressed me, and you can kind of see that reflected in the SEC power rankings that are put out on Sunday with Mississippi State coming in last. So do you feel good about winning? Yeah, of course. You want to you celebrate every win. Do you think that you know it means a whole lot because you didn't throw the football or because you ran the ball really well? No, I don't really think so. I think you're going to find out more, a lot more, this weekend when you play at AM. I think you found out a little about Alabama two weeks ago against Ole Miss, especially in that second half. That gave me a lot of confidence. But I don't really take any positive, hugely positive, or hugely negative. I kind of just think this game is what it is. Thankfully, nobody really got hurt on both sides. You praise for that. That's a great thing. You got through it. You covered the line. All the Alabama betters went home happy. Uh, and you got back to Tuscaloosa on a Saturday night. You know, everything's A-OK. I think that, oh, actually, the one other big point that I want to make on this game Thank you. Uh, this just reminded me. My man, 
My man, Nick Saban. Here we go. There's some moments in the first half where you seem pretty animated on the sideline. What was behind that for you and kind of how do you get help things? Well, Miss Terry told me if we're not playing good to get on their butt. <laughs> so I saw that I just did what I was told. All right, Miss Terry, please and thank you. And please and thank you again. And please and thank you again. It's been, what, two years? Since you've seen that Nick Saban on the sideline? And when's the last time Nick Saban blew up on the sideline before this week? Uh, you had a little bit of it against USF, just a little bit of it. But mostly Nick Saban has been Mr. Grandpa, Mr. Mellow on the sidelines. He's been Mr. Mellow in the media room, and that's fine. I mean, but if you want to get uh if you want to get after me, that's fine too. Anytime you want to, coach, I can take it if you want to send a message to your team in that way. But Coach Saban, you had me. You had a lot of us, you had the college football world wondering if the fire was still in you, if the if the drive to still be great is still in you. But no, Coach Saban yelling, what the bleep are we doing? Over and over and yelling all kinds of, you know, derogative, you know, yelling all kinds of curses uh, at his coaches, at his players, at the referees, showing the fire that he came to Tuscaloosa with in 2007, 2008, 2009, really getting after any every anything and everything. And I was so, so happy to see it. I know you guys were as Alabama fans. Maybe you laughed at it as non-Alabama fans. Maybe that makes you nervous as non-Alabama fans. But as someone who's covered the team and someone who went to the University of Alabama, I was starting to wonder, Coach, are you just riding this bad boy out? Uh, obviously, even if you are riding this bad boy out all the way into the sunset, it's still going to be a highly competitive product because of the standard, the internal standard that you hold for yourself and the way that you recruit. But man, I was starting to worry, wonder, does you, do, do you have the, 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 you know, the necessity, like the starvation factor uh, to play at, uh, at 100%, to play at a top level? And it was great, great, great to see Coach Saban. I mean, uh, hey, kind of kind of feel bad for the players. I know Terry Arnold was on, on the receiving end of one. I know Seth McLaughlin was on the receiving end of one. I saw kind of the, 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 the lip reading uh, going on on the sidelines. I enjoyed trying to figure out what he was saying and who he was yelling at. Uh, but I, I, I think that's a great sign for Alabama going forward the rest of the year, whether it's Miss Terry giving him the green light to, hey, if you got to act a fool on the sidelines, act a fool, do what you got to do. Or if it was Coach just using Miss Terry as a shield, perhaps, uh, I think Miss Terry can take it, and she is a great shield for, for him. Uh, just really encouraging to see that uh, just from a personality standpoint and just kind of going off the Zach Arnett conversation. Zach Arnett never – got into it, never got fired up. Every time you see, they cut to him on the sidelines, he kind of looked like, well, we're getting screwed. Kind of looked like, oh, well, we ain't got a chance anyways. Well, the, the officials, I saw him a couple times mouthing about calls that were or were not made. Uh, and then just ah, just seemed like a petulant attitude. Just seemed like a petulant attitude. Uh, and, and I wrote down poor emotional control on my on my notes for Zach Arnett. All right, last, last little bit of the conversation. And we appreciate everybody watching us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on Amazon. I want to talk about Around the SEC real quick. We haven't done this very much uh, just because it's mostly been an Alabama show. I'm trying to develop the show a little bit further as uh, as we get into it. We're close to our 100th episode. Uh, I want to develop the, uh, the show just a little bit. Uh, around the SEC, LSU laid a big old stink bomb. Oh, my gosh. Brian Kelly, you go up to the Grove and you allow – 
55 points. You gave up 31 points to Arkansas last week, who I don't think is that good. Obviously, you saw Arkansas lose to A&M. But then uh, you go to the Grove and you let Lane Kiffin hang 55 on your head. 55 on your head, and yeah, you did put up 49, and you were throwing into the end zone at the end to try to, you know, get, get what oh, that would have given you the win. But goodness gracious, LSU Tigers, the Bayou Bengals, where has your defense gone? Uh, encouraging from an Alabama perspective just to see the disarray, and obviously now Alabama has a half-game lead on the Tigers. <sighs> Brian Kelly, I thought you were going to be, uh, you know, obviously you still have to respect the Tigers when they come to Tuscaloosa here in early November, but Brian Kelly, just what a stink bomb and a positive for Lane Kiffin bouncing back. Look, Lane Kiffin coached this game like he should have coached last week. He just didn't have very much aggression last week when he came to Tuscaloosa, and that's not Lane Kiffin. That's not who they are. Uh, he found he refound himself this past week. Joey Freshwater found the uh, found himself found the mirror, and he and Jackson Dart got together, putting up fifty five points and getting a really big old win over there in the Grove, uh, Kentucky. Oh, Big Blue, Big Blue Nation. Oh, my gosh, what a win. Big Blue Nation rushing, what, 280 yards? Singular, Ray Davis, 280 yards on Florida and Florida. Billy Napier, man, you got that great recruiting class coming. Well, my man, you ain't going to make it to next year if you keep putting up duds on the road. Yeah, you beat Tennessee at home, you beat Tennessee, and you protected the Swamp fairly well in your tenure. But every time you leave the Swamp, your team plays like absolute trash can water. Your team plays awful. And, and, and not only just plays awful, plays uninspired. Uh, the game plans leave a lot to be desired. And, okay, you're going to let somebody rush for 280 yards. Was that right? Hold on. Was that right? Let me make sure that I have it right. I know Ray Davis had a huge game. Uh, yeah, 280 yards, 26 carries, three touchdowns for Ray Davis. And, I mean, goodness gracious, they knocked you out. Out, you're up 24 to seven at halftime, and you continue to pour it on. Get, get, you know, th- uh, no, 23 to seven. Excuse me, math is uh, not my strong suit. Uh, just no chance. You were never in the game, Florida. And uh, look, you you didn't deserve that ranking, anyways. In my opinion. I've always kind of had them at the bottom end of the SEC power rankings ever since going out to Utah and laying a huge egg. Oh yeah, 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 big one nation. Big old win for them as their strong season continues. Yeah, they hadn't played a whole lot of good teams so far. They played three cupcakes and they beat up on Vanderbilt. But every week they answer the bell. Every week they answer the bell. They're playing physical. They're playing as a reflection of their coach and just uh, just a really nice, solid win. Yes, I know it was uh, at 11 a.m. and all this, that, and the other. It was at home and whatever you want to say. Florida's not a good football team. Okay, the good football teams handle bad football teams when they come to town. And putting up 23-7 to right there in the first half and coming out and beating them, what, 10-7 to in the second half, uh, game's over. And Florida is now looking behind the eight ball, I think, in the SEC East. And Billy Napier's tenure is getting a little bit shaky. Uh, my last note, Georgia. Georgia goes over to Auburn. All right, and this is, there's been a lot of conversation about Georgia really since the Saturday day. Obviously, 2.30 game, Hugh Freeze. Everybody sees, oh, you struggle to beat an unranked team, an unranked team that can't throw the football, that doesn't have a quarterback. How many passing yards? You had uh, 92 passing yards for Peyton Thorne. Uh, they managed 80, 88 passing yards throughout the entire game. All right, Auburn. There's no reason they should have been in the game with Georgia. Georgia, oh, we have Brock Bowers. We have Brock Bowers, and you don't. 
Brock Bowers, probably a top four, top five player in this country. Amazing, amazing player. I don't care that he's playing tight end. He can play for anybody in the country. We would love to have him in Tuscaloosa. Uh, he's he's incredible. But I think that Georgia's getting a little bit of a bad rap. And I don't really want to sit over here and be a Georgia defender because I see a ton of Georgia love online just from a bunch of Georgia lovers. And that's fine. I mean, they're back-to-back they're -back champs. They deserve to be loud online. Uh, but you see a lot of detractors. Oh, you barely beat Auburn. Oh, your schedule is not good. Okay, you're right. The schedule has not been very good. You played Ball State. You played UT Martin. You got UAB. You know, not been a great schedule. You beat South Carolina. Not been a great schedule. All right, whatever. But you can only play the schedule that's in front of you. And what has Kirby Smart done? Every week, found a way to win, gotten a little bit better, doing the, the things that they need to do to win. Now, should the, should you beat Auburn by a lot more? Yes, you should. But I think a lot of people haven't been to Jordan-Hare Stadium. And I think a lot of people aren't respecting Hugh Freeze. Now, look, I know a lot of people have their feelings about Hugh Freeze and what he did at Ole Miss on and off the, on and off the field. I know people have feelings about uh, the way he leads the Auburn program. And, and obviously you saw the, uh, what, freedom from religious groups that came after uh, Hugh Freeze a couple weeks ago at Auburn after the massive baptism out there. I am here to encourage you to live it out your religion, whatever that is. Um, I do think uh, Hugh Freeze does give me the heebie-jeebies just as on a personal level. But uh, from a football standpoint, oh, my gosh, he is he's a great football coach. He is a great football coach. Absolutely. He puts his players into great positions to be successful. Look, Auburn doesn't have any talent. They don't have they don't have a modicum of talent. Peyton Thorne, he's mid. Robbie Ashford, Robbie Ashford is not an SEC quarterback, but he is squeezing every drop of juice out of that Auburn program. And the thing that Hugh Freeze is doing, Hugh Freeze has has galvanized, has galvanized the Auburn program, has made them all believe it's us against the world, the Auburn family. Uh, you better go get Auburn while you can. Because if Hugh Freeze, if he recruits the way that his 2024 class is coming together, sort of, it seems like it's coming together. Auburn's going to be a really good football team going forward. And so, yeah, I know. Georgia, you go into Jordan-Hare Stadium, you barely win, whatever. you got to have wins like that in national championship seasons. You, you think about it last year, Auburn, uh, Georgia goes to, to Missouri, and, oh, man, Missouri, Eli Drinkwitz, you should have beat them. Uh, Georgia escapes with a win there and beats the doors off of TCU. Like, you got to have wins like that to get through a national championship season. Uh, and so, no, I'm not going to condemn the Georgia Bulldogs for going to Jordan-Hare and barely winning because I do think that Jordan-Hare is a very difficult place to play football, a very difficult place to walk in as a visitor, even if you have a huge talent gap, even if you have a huge talent advantage. And then on top of that, I think Hugh Freeze, oh, he's going to get somebody that he shouldn't get. He might get you LSU. He might get you Ole Miss. He might get you Alabama. Oh, Think about that. Hugh Freeze, the way he'd be walking into Waffle House after beating an Alabama. Hugh Freeze is a hell of a football coach. Absolutely a hell of a football coach. And I think that um, a lot of people are missing that in the scoreboard. They, they, they see the scoreboard. They see number one Georgia 27, unranked Auburn 20. And they think, oh, man, whatever, whatever the line was. Let's see. What was the line? Uh, what was the game cast? What was the line for that? It was uh, Georgia's 14-point favorite, so they see, oh, Georgia didn't cover. I thought it might have been higher than that, but 
They think, oh, Georgia still sleepwalking through their year. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. I think that Auburn is playing at the max capacity, and I think sometimes you just got to have hard wins. You just got to have difficult wins uh, against teams that maybe you should have beaten more handily, sure. But this coming up week is going to be awesome in the LSU – or awesome in the SEC. LSU is my next, my next note. LSU, Missouri. Missouri, you're undefeated. You've beaten – Vanderbilt, okay. You've beaten uh, Kansas State, okay. You've played other uh, other cupcake schools and you're undefeated, great. You beat Memphis in, South, in St. Louis, all right, whatever. We'll find out about you, Missouri, this week. Are you going to be a team that might challenge Georgia? Are you going to be a team that might challenge Kentucky? Are you going to be a team that can that can play with Tennessee uh, and, and really represent yourself well in the SEC? We will find out about uh, Missouri this weekend when they play LSU. Now, I know LSU coming off a bad loss. Uh, not a bad loss, but 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 not really a good performance. We'll say that. Not a good performance, giving up 55 points to Ole Miss and, you know, creating a track meet where there really shouldn't have been one. Uh, we're going to find out about Kentucky a lot this weekend. They, they Their schedule has ramped slowly up throughout the season. Uh, I believe they played Ball State as well, and, and obviously they played you know, Vanderbilt and Kentucky, or uh, Vanderbilt and Florida the last two weeks. So, like, their schedule has ramped up, 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 up. And they're going to take on the Georgia Bulldogs this weekend. We'll find out about Florida, or we'll find out about, about Georgia and Kentucky this weekend. I think that's going to be a great matchup. And obviously, all our eyes the rest of the week is probably going to be on Alabama and Texas A&M. Alabama and Texas A&M, 2.30 on Saturday. The winner is in sole possession of first place in SEC West. And everybody knows, in, in, right here in Tuscaloosa, you win the West, you get into the SEC championship game, you win that, you're in the playoff. Who cares about the Texas loss? Everybody talking about the dynasty's dead two weeks ago. The dynasty is alive and well if you win this ball game this weekend against Texas A&M. So we're going to have a lot of fun talking about it right here on the Joe Gaither Show with my girl Abby trying to get involved in the program. Hey, hey Miss Thing, say hi to everybody. Oh, yeah, if you're watching us on YouTube, you can see Miss Abby on the, uh, on the YouTube page. Uh, right here at Joe Gaither 6 at Mammoth Central as well. So that's going to do it for my show today. Make sure you follow me at Joe Gaither 6 on any social media platform that you like. TikTok, TikTok Snapchat, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all the all that good stuff. Uh, I am at Joe Gaither 6. You can leave me a comment, question, query, and complaint. Uh, if you got a comment or something I need to clean up or something I need to correct or a point that you disagree with, Feel free to drop me a line. I'll be I'll be happy to uh, address it with you one on one or bring it into the show right here on Bama Central. So that's going to do it for my show today. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. Tell a friend, an Alabama fan or an Alabama hater, about the show. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Joe Gaither Show on Bama Central and BamaCentral.com.